Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I am your host, Phil Shiroki, and today we are going to continue our look at the Sermon on the Mount. We are still in Matthew chapter 5, work on our way through here. Um, Today we are going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42, My Spirit-Filled Life, New King James Version Study Bible gives this section of uh, scripture the subtitle, Go the Second Mile. And this is where Jesus really talks about um, being a humble servant, um, totally letting go of our pride and our ego. This is where Jesus makes one of his famous proclamations to turn the other cheek, if you will. I find it odd how that's such a well-known verse, yet it's so, um, so few practice it. It's a humbling attitude to walk around with. It is a, definitely a godly attitude to walk around with. Um, you know, we, our ultimate call and purpose in life as Christians is to reflect the image of Jesus Christ in our lives and to exhibit the traits that our great Lord, Savior, Master, Teacher, Jehovah, you know, Elohim, the creator of all we see. I mean, when I start to just name his many names, I just really get in such a blissful mood i i I just can't contain my happiness and joy to be a christian to be called out of this world to be set apart from this world to be part of god's family you know as a gentile i consider it such an extra great honor to be you know grafted into the family of god that 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 word graft quickly is basically relates to when a um i guess someone who takes care of uh plants gardens whatever you may call it trees especially um you can actually take so for example the perfect example would be you can take a dead element of a um or a a a separate element of a tree for example and then put it onto a um, living tree and graft it onto that um, you know that strong part of the tree and eventually that um, that dead or weak or about to die part or foreign parts at the very least eventually um becomes part of that tree and grows and then produces fruit which is the perfect picture of what happens with us as we become families of you know members of the family of god and then also the gentiles becoming grafted into this family of god um with the jews and the israel israelites being god's original chosen people and then um you know um Eventually, I, you know, I had this image and it's a beautiful image that I just love to harken back to now when I think of this whole idea of us 
you know, Gentiles being welcomed into the family of God. I just picture the good shepherd, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus. You know, I picture a pasture and I picture a nice enclosure, if you will, a nice wooden fence, you know, maybe two rails high. Um, And um, he opens that gate and just says, come on in. I mean, how beautiful, how amazing. Um, All that was accomplished through that violent, vile act of murder that Satan thought he was executing Jesus. In reality, he was playing right into the perfect divine plan of God to have Jesus be our perfect atonement for sin, our living sacrifice whose blood was shed. The perfect lamb that was led to the slaughter, obedient unto death. And you know what? That very idea encapsulates exactly what we're going to talk about today. Going the second mile again. Um, Basically putting your pride down, letting go of your ego, putting yourself aside for the things and the glory and the kingdom of God. So... Without any further ado, let's continue our look at the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look at Matthew again, chapter 5, verses 38 to 42, where Jesus discusses us going the second mile. Alrighty, and like I said, we are going to begin. We're going to, of course, read our um, the text out of Matthew, um, the section of the Sermon on the Mount. Again, Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42. And then we're going to jump around a little bit in the Old Testament and New Testament and just look at some different places where this is um, kind of referred back to in some parts of the Bible, where it was alluded to or prophesied um, in other parts of the Bible. And um Yeah, let's get into it. Let's look at this. Starting at verse 38, again, of Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Excuse me. So quickly, we're going to look at that word compels, where again in uh, verse 41, 41, Jesus says, And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. That word there is angereo, meaning... A verb derived from the Persian, where it described a courier with the authority to impress people into public service. The word carried the same idea in New Testament times, referring to the privilege of Roman officials and soldiers to press into service a person, his horses, his equipment, and his family members, usually without advance notice. So basically, this is just, you know, kind of blindsiding someone and, um, you know, kind of taking them and, you know, just plucking them and putting them into a position, into a a, a pretty undesirable position, um, you know, 
right there. You're going along your day and boom, something changes. And all of a sudden you're just in a totally different position and a, your whole day, your whole life could change at that very moment. I'm currently watching the series called The Chosen, which is a really awesome series. Um, I'm typically kind of honestly skeptical of <laughs> of a lot of entertainment, Christian entertainment, obviously worldly entertainment. But even, you know, I got to be frank and honest, a lot of Christian entertainment can come off as cheesy, can come off as, um, you know, something I just can't relate to, to be frank and honest with you again. I just... Um, I did not come up in a nice rosy household. I did not come up in a Christian household. I came up uh, very close to the inner city. I came up in a place where, you know, in the wrong side of the tracks, if you will, to put it very kindly to kind of give you an idea of how I came up. So, you know, I don't really take to the um, the uh, the squeaky clean type of leave it to beaver type of stuff that you see sometimes in Christian entertainment. But I can say there's definitely some good stuff out there beyond The Chosen. I'll say the movie I can only imagine was awesome. I can say um, there are several movies I've seen that are just incredible um, that I can't think of off the top of my head. But there have been good – don't get me wrong. There have been good things I've seen, especially over the past few years. Um, You know, uh, Lionsgate – some stuff. Greg Laurie puts out some good stuff. I'm looking forward. I want to see his new one. Um, he has the name escapes me right now, but a really good ministry he put together last year since he couldn't do his annual. Um, they usually do a huge outreach and a huge uh, event every year. But um, anyway, the chosen, uh, my point is by mentioning that is this, um, it really depicts, it's a good visual depiction of Jesus and the, the, the times that he lived in. And what even sparks that memory is that this idea of Roman officials and soldiers, the way the Romans were reverenced and the way they treated the Jews back then, the occupation, if you will, of Israel and Jerusalem. It's very interesting to watch it. You know, it's the dynamics between Again, the Romans who were in charge, I mean, literally, they could just have people killed at a whim because that they just, you know, were having a bad day, depending on their position. And um, again, I could definitely picture this sort of the reason Jesus uses this word compels and it may have a different meaning to us. Now we feel compelled to do this or that, you know, frankly, in America and Western culture. We're hardly compelled to do anything when it comes to being forced to do anything these days. Um, I mean, it's just our society is so just um, we'll say hyper ultra sensitive to words, let alone action against somebody. That uh, yeah, I mean, th- this idea is very lost when it comes to things. But again, this was a time, and this was a, a word Jesus used in particular to. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. So it's kind of giving you a picture when you think about it. Jesus is saying here that, you know, if someone just, again, kind of, you know, you're going along your day and who knows any situation can just come up where you just all of a sudden you're in the position to have to help somebody. Jesus says, you know, don't just do the bare minimum, do all you can and then some, you know. 
And that was the character of Christ. That's what we are called to be and do as Christians. You know, I could definitely think of some solid people I know right now off the top of my head that are definitely, you know, very humble servants of the Lord. And definitely, you know, they definitely go the extra mile and then some because that's just who they are as a person. And, you know, that's just amplified by their belief in Christ. And, um, you know, we're all called to do this. Again, this is a lot of um, humility. This is a lot of contriteness. This is a lot of meekness, which are all qualities that the father loves. You know, again, I can always think back to that verse of God loves those with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, you know, like, you know, there's a reason why people like myself and others, like I said, I came up in a rough setting. I came up in some rough circumstances, and there's a reason why we are extra thankful and grateful. And it really shows God's character. You know, one um one cool part of that whole um that that miniseries I just watched. I think it was the the third. I watched the third episode called Jesus Loves All the Children. I think it's something like that. And um, but it's really cool because you know it, they really encapsulate the the character of Christ how i picture jesus being you know when he was here on the earth and it's really cool because there's the the part it, it, there's a little you know girl who she's he, she's infatuated with jesus you know she knows who he is she can just you know like like his people you know the sheep know the shepherd you know and um all i can say is at the end it's kind of really heartwarming and it's kind of you know almost brings a tear to my eye just thinking about it talking about it but you know he he um tells he has these kids as an audience and he's kind of hinting around who he is because these are all Jewish kids. They know, look, everybody, <laughs> the irony of, of the Jewish culture and to this day, they're still looking for the Messiah. I, st I, I follow, you know, Jewish news very closely, Israeli news very closely. And it's it's so odd sometimes to hear them looking, still looking and, and totally not acknowledging Jesus as the Savior and Messiah. There are definitely Jews for Jesus, if you will. There are um, saved Messianic Jews, I think they're called. Um, you know, there, there's people out there that do, that are Jewish and believe and acknowledge that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But, you know, a large majority, again, of, of Jewish people in that culture and religion are still looking for the Messiah. And, you know, that comes down to spiritual blindness that they were kind of cursed with when they you know, went along with the plan of some, you know, give surrendering Jesus to the Romans and having him killed. I mean, the, <laughs> there, there was prophecy given and words spoken that they are going to, their generations will be cursed and they will be blinded. And they are to this day, spiritually blinded in a sense, but you know, there's going to be redemption for God's people. There always is, you know, God is always the redeemer and, you know, hey, they've been, um, you know, out in the wilderness for thousands of years, but they, they're, re, they're gathered back in the land. And, um, you know, that's why I keep such a close eye on Israel and um, the Jewish people, because one, I have a heart for them. I love them the same way God does. And two, um, you know, that, <laughs> what happens with God's people is a big indicator of what's going to happen globally. And right now are some very interesting times. I might do another um, end times talk episode soon where, 
you know, I just kind of address the current events sort of and um, just what's going on in the world. Interesting things I observe, I take in all the time. I, I always have my eye on the news. I look at every different angle of the news. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's amazing when you look at the right wing, the left wing news, how different the perspectives are how differently things are reported, how some things are totally ignored by both parties, both sides. You know, it's it's no wonder that we're such a divided country, because when you just again, a lot of people get their thoughts and ideas from these ridiculous mainstream media news sources, be it the right or the left. And then they just go off on these, you know, in, into these diatribes and it just they just. It's insane to me. I don't see how people don't see it. But hey, spiritual blindness is spiritual blindness. And, um, you know, when people choose to jump into certain things and take up certain flags and go up on certain hills and die on those hills, then, you know, it's again, it's no wonder why everybody's so separated. Um, I I don't feel compelled or any anything to take up any cross except for that one that I am commanded to take up. And that's the cross of Christ. And I gladly humbly and happily do that so all right let's get back into our actual text here we're looking again at matthew chapter 5 verses 38 to 42 we're going to look at the notes for that then we're going to jump around look at some different verses where it says the law of retaliation was not intended to encourage personal revenge but to protect the offender from punishment harsher than his offense warranted quickly that's where in the very first part of this section we're looking at in chat and in verse 38 jesus says you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth just last episode or an episode before that i touched on this a little bit in deuteronomy where the law part of the law says um you know uh, basically people are to be repaid equally for their offense whatever crime you know whatever they commit against another person um and that that's a wise rule, you know, I mean, you know, I wish it was still that way. We'd probably have a much different society. These days we have, you know, criminals are victims. Criminals are let out of jail on lenient, um, you know, uh, probations. And uh, what do you call that? Um, I forget. Thankfully, I'm not all that familiar with the whole thing. But um, bail, if you will, I guess that's what it's called, um, where people, you know, they get busted for a crime, even felonies. And then they put up a certain amount of bond until they can go to and have their court date. We just again, I touched on this a little while back, but it just is fresh in my memory. We just had a guy, you know, here in a quote unquote good part of Philly, which, you know, it's I was thinking about this today. I was having a conversation with somebody about it in this particular area of Philadelphia. There used to be a particular area of Philadelphia called the Badlands, which that's an area you just didn't go to unless you were basically a drug addict or a, just a hard criminal, you know, looking for trouble, basically. And, you know, it's really like Philly in general. The whole city's become the Badlands, you know, no place is safe. So. You know, it used to be, again, like North Philly was considered the worst part of Philly, and it still is the most dangerous part for sure. That's where the Badlands were. And North Philly is definitely the, the worst part of Philadelphia at this point. But, you know, um, it's funny. They, they rename everything. <laughs> they have these nice lofty names for different areas so that, you know, you can't identify where you're going. It's funny. I'm on my GPS sometimes. It'll take me through some areas where I would never go if I would have known, you know, that my GPS was taking me through 
certain areas just to get me somewhere five minutes faster. Yeah, I'll take the long way next time. Thanks. Um, I'd like to get there uh, alive. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the reality, but it's sad. Like the whole area is the badlands at this point. But my point of mentioning all that is, yeah, we just had a guy who was out on bail, two felony, can, two, waiting two felony court dates, and he went and killed a guy that was walking his dog. <laughs> you know, the guy didn't have his wallet on him. So when he went to rob him, he did not, he had nothing on him to give him. So the guy just pulls out a gun and shoots the kid in the chest. I mean, the, there was no threat to this dude. The guy was supposedly a really nice guy, you know, um, just lit. Hey, wrong place, wrong time. It was like 630 at night. It wasn't really late. It wasn't anything where, you know, this this guy was not necessarily looking for trouble, but trouble found him, unfortunately. And hey, you know, uh, people want to um you know, uh, just, you know, victimize criminals. <laughs> uh, it's a topsy turvy, crazy world we live in right now. I just seeing it before my eyes and seeing it on the news every day is just unreal. I never thought I'd live in a place where, you know, people are literally dying two, three at a time at this point. Um, I remember growing up, you'd hear about a murder every couple of days, but I mean, at this point it's two or three a day. It is sickening. It is sad. But I was my whole point of mentioning all of that, that little tangent is if it was an eye for an eye these days, you know, if people were just treated how they treated others, we would not have the, the crime rates that we do. But, you know, quickly, one more thing, and I'll get off this this soapbox. And But in Chicago right now, they're dealing with a, a huge increase in carjackings. And a majority of the people doing the carjackings are teenagers. And I read last week, you wonder why the crime is so rampant in these areas and in these pathetically, there's no leadership whatsoever. Here's what the leadership of Chicago did with these people who are doing these carjackings, since most of them are teens and underage, under 18, they're offering them an alternative to jail to go and watch videos about how wrong it is to do carjackings. And they're going to actually provide them with food and drinks to go watch these videos. As if they're basically going to go to a movie theater and watch a movie and all of a sudden, oh, so, you know, carjacking people is wrong. Oh, now that I watched a movie, I'm not going to do that. What a pathetic, pathetic um, <laughs> leadership there is across the country in major cities. You wonder why all this is happening. Look at that pathetic answer to crime. I mean, you got to uh, it's just there's so many social ills. I just have to stop and just continue in on the important study that we're looking at. But again, the Jewish law was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So again, you take out somebody's eye, you lose your eye. I guarantee you, you're going to want to keep your other eye. So you're not going to go do that again. Or, you know, you knock a tooth out, knock some teeth out, you get yours knocked out. Again, the, this is a just type of justice, you know, um, Thankfully, God does not hold us to that standard. You know, when I think of the word justice, I think of our just God that we serve that is alive and well, the living God. And God will, you know, he will judge justly soon enough. And um, the only way to not be subjected to that judgment 
is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and to be a a humble servant of the Lord. And then you will avoid all of that conflict and all of that judgment. But, you know, if you want to be rebellious, if you want to be egotistical, if you want to be prideful and walk around in your own ways, you will suffer the consequences one day soon enough. But moving on here, the continuing on the notes for the rest of the passage, Jesus forbids revenge by insisting upon positive good in the face of evil in terms of personal insult, where you're being slapped in the face, legal contention, where somebody sues you, it says go and actually, if they sue you for something, give them extra. And then forced labor, again, that's the where someone is compelled to go one mile, go with them two. And then requests for gifts or loans. That's again where Jesus addresses, you know, if someone asks of you or wants to borrow something, don't turn them away. You know, again, assuming you can, you, you have the means to even accommodate somebody with those types of requests. But, you know, Jesus makes a good point there, obviously, where he says, you know, that is his character. That is our our calling is not to necessarily, um, you know, do unto others as they do to us. It's to love your neighbor as you love yourself and to treat others as you would want to be treated. So this is assuming, again, that people are. Well, you know, I, I can't even say that because it, it, I, I wanted to say this is assuming people are in good standing and, you know, they're asking you justly. But, you know, Jesus doesn't qualify this. He says, you know, if if, again, you're put in a position in one of these positions to comply and not only comply to go an extra step. So that's really the meekness of and humility and the contriteness that we should have in our spirit. And that's the um, th- that's the characteristics that are exhibited by Jesus, who again is our ultimate example, and we are his bond servants. If you look at the, you know, the author of the next you know book we're going to look at, Romans, Paul. If you look at the apostles, if you look at the early church, this is what they, this is the exact character that they embodied and exhibited. So we are called to do that as well. I know it's, you know, Western culture, good old America, you know, very individualistic, but we are not called to be individualistic. We are called to be part of a group, a community. That doesn't mean you just join any group under any banner. It doesn't mean you just run and support people because, you know, they're asking for it. Not necessarily, because you got to be careful who you align yourself with or you'll find yourself in some very precarious positions pretty quickly. But um, let's move on now. We're going to look, we're going to flip up to Romans. We're going to look at chapter 12, verses 9 to 21, where it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. So we're going to look at the notes here for, again, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, where it says, Love is to be the guiding principle in Christian relationships, not only with fellow believers, but with enemies as well. Paul mentions many specific Christian duties, but love is the dominant note in all the exhortations. Because some people may remain violently opposed to us, there are times when all efforts toward peace fail. However, the Christian is to make certain that he is not at fault when peace breaks down. Instead of taking vengeance ourselves, we should give it over into God's hands and thereby give place to wrath. God will exact vengeance at the final judgment or even in this life sometimes through the instrumentality of civil government. So give place to wrath. That means to put it off. That means to not even think about it. Don't entertain it. Don't even address it. Just, again, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Believe me, <laughs> there is a time of judgment coming for all the evil we see around us, all the things that we look around and just say, we scratch our head, and say, how is that possible? How is that allowed? How is this just? Well, we have to realize, one, we are in no position to question God or what he allows to happen in this life or what we witness around us. But also, we have to have faith and know that, believe me, we looked at the books of heaven a little while ago, God is keeping a very detailed account of every single thing that every single person does here on this earth. And if you're not covered in the blood of Jesus, and if you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, if you're not part of God's family, if you don't surrender your life to the Lord, then you will be held accountable. All of these things will be accounted for someday. So, Vengeance is not ours. Again, like the note says there, you know, there can be some very unjust things that go on in this world to people we love. And it says it's not our place to go and take vengeance or revenge. But remember, even sometimes in civil government, you know, that our man-made laws will address some of those injustices now here in this life. So, for example, you know, if someone does something violent or heinous towards one of your family members or someone you love, then there's a good chance if they're caught and tried and, you know, 
prosecuted and, and assuming that the justice system works the way it's supposed to, then those people will suffer the consequences here and in the afterlife as well if they never repent. And, um, you know, that's a bit of a double jeopardy. You know, people, oh, no double jeopardy. You can't try somebody twice. Well, guess what? If you're not for, if you're not saved and covered in the blood of Jesus, you will be, you know, you will suffer the consequences twice. And trust me, what happens in the afterlife is much worse than anything that can happen to you here in this life. So.